started leading worship on Sunday mornings when I was 17 for my brother. And once I realized that my leading uh, in the area of worship actually affected other people and, and their encounters and experience with God, I started taking it a lot more serious, uh, not just for my benefit, but for the benefit of those in the congregation and also just to bring glory to God with the gifts and talents that He's given me. Let every moment of my life paint a picture of sacrifice for you. I, I feel that heaviness or that despair uh, quite often. In fact, I mean, I have to read the Bible every day. If I go even one or two days without reading the Bible, it's amazing where my heart goes, it's amazing where my mind goes. I am desperate. For God and for His presence, for His Spirit, and so yeah, I, I have to sing. I, if I didn't sing, if I didn't worship the Lord, I'd probably be one of the most miserable people to be around. And yet, that's not who I am because I get up, I read my Word, and I praise God, and I praise Him whether I'm happy or sad. I praise whether I'm feeling good or if I'm in a whole lot of pain. I praise the Lord, and I take it seriously. I fight for joy. I fight. For praise, I fight for victory, I, I, I sing until my heart changes, until my mind is renewed, I, I sing until my attitude uh, is lifted, praise is a huge thing for me. Uh, that's one of those 2 a.m. songs, one of those times of just complete surrender. And you know, there's a lot of tears that flow. Um, it's aggressive. Uh, it's a beating of your chest, a ripping of your clothes, um, facing the ground. Uh, who am I without you? What could I ever be without you? It's just crazy. get to decide what's going to happen to you in your life, you still get to choose what you're going to do in that moment. And, and you worship Him and you grow. You grow in those hard times. You grow in those desert places. You grow in the wilderness. Um, that's when your muscles of faith are exercised. It's when you're strengthened, when it's hard, when you're scared, when you're anxious or worried, when you're mad. When you can get some praise into there during the sucky times of life, uh, you grow. You grow strong in the Lord. Uh, anyone can complain in that time. Anyone can just kind of start licking your wounds and go into the corner and do the little woe is me dance that we all do. Uh, the reality is you can feel very alone in pain. You can feel very alone in your trial. But a Christian, you know, we put on that garment of praise and the enemy loses in that moment. Just give your pain to Jesus. Give your heartache to Jesus and, and praise Him. Uh, in those sweet moments of brokenness, we finally worship the one who is worthy of worship. Today I have the privilege of introducing uh, one of my favorite people in all the world. Uh, my father, Cliff Bursch, is here to give us the message. Would you please welcome him to the stage? Oh, he didn't do it this time. Am I on? I'm on? Good. Last time he made a joke. And it's, my hearing is extremely poor. They call it profound hearing loss. So everybody laughed. But I didn't. Because I didn't know what he said. But you said something like 70% of what I say is okay. And then the rest you have to correct the next Sunday. Uh, well, okay, so that's where we are today. Praise God. Uh, he gave me, he said, Dad, you got to do this one. Garment of praise. 
So I thought, wow, instead of a spirit of despair, I suspect most of you guys have gone through your life without any spirit of despair or any problems or troubles. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> There's a few of you out here we could spotlight you if we had a spotlight that you maybe are different. I want to know, though, how many of you came into this service with a garment of praise on you? Okay. These arrogant people, they praise God all the time. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you, you saw them, didn't you? Yeah, the super spiritual. And therefore, then, how many of you are hearing your Beautiful, you're gloriously beautiful. You're just it's magnificent. It almost causes everybody to cover their eyes when they see you. How many of you came in like that? <laughs> That's my son. Oh, my wife, too. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't say she's beautiful, it's a right cross, right? Okay. <laughs> No, isn't that right? Well, of course, all of you have the armament of praise. You all came in with that. Why? You got that garment? Because Jesus has given it to you. Jesus has given it to you. All of these things in the exchange that Dan has been preaching about, and by the way, I've been listening to it on the blog, and it amazing I wonder whose son that is it's probably the best messages or are the best messages that have been uh, given out in the Northwest here for sure but it's just amazing but anyhow there's an exchange here there's a change for you for Jesus Christ you and your life for his life so when you did come in here you came in with a garment of praise. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's who you are. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. He always does what the Father says, and by that, he praises God. And then on the other side of it, you are all extremely beautiful. It's amazing how beautiful you are. Wayne doesn't like that. He wants me to say handsome. But you're gloriously beautiful. You can just turn around and, every, and you're beautiful in every direction. You're just beautiful. Why? Why? Because you're a new creature. You're a new creature. You're a new creature. God has made you. You are significant. You are important. You are a living being for God. You are not like the humans that are out there who are just mere grass, as Peter says. They're just mere grass. You can't distinguish one from the other very well. Maybe one's blooming at a certain time and another one right next to it in a very small space isn't. So maybe it looks a little better, but you're mere grass. If we would to show how insignificant you are, we would take Micah and we say, Micah, you have to wait here until we, we will start counting. And when we get to the seven and a half, seven and a half billion people here, you will be the last one we will count. So you've got to stay here. Well, Micah would have to stay here 200 and 37 years. If we counted one, two, three, four, 24 hours a day, all that, he'd have to stay here. Boy, that makes you significant, doesn't it? Seven and a half billion people are on this earth. But that is not what God thinks of you. The world, it is that way. And they're playing games in order to be a little bit higher grasp than the others. But God says, in this scripture that Dan gave me and said, I, you have to preach on this one, you have no other choice. 
says they, they will be called oaks. Who will be called oaks? You will. Now that's after he says all of this. I will bestow a crown of beauty on them. I will bestow the oil of gladness on them. I will bestow a garment of praise on them. I will provide them all of this. And they will be oaks. Now I like to go over to the park in Tacoma, which is Wright Park, isn't it? And walk around, and my wife and I uh, stop at the oaks almost every time because they're huge, they're imposing. They're unbelievable. The, the limbs come out not like this with gravity not pushing. The limbs go this way, and they're hundreds of pounds at least. They're huge. The oak is a huge tree. It grows up to 100 feet tall. And for you, Wayne, because you're a city fellow, seven stories. <laughs> so they're huge. They go way up and they live a long, long time. Hundred years. Not grass, is it? Not part. You are considered an oak. Why are you considered so imposing? Because you're new creatures made by the living God, made for his purposes, made to be sons and daughters, made to be brought into the intimate family of God, not angels, not any other beings that were made. You are being made in the presence of God like his son, and therefore he can bring you into his family forever, relating to him experiencing him, knowing him. A lot of you people want to know and find a home. You're saying, I want a home. I want a place where I can rest. I want a place where I can breathe out. I want a place that isn't attacking me. I want a place where I am comforted. I want a place where I am significant. And that's exactly what God is doing. That's exactly what he's doing here. And so when you walk in here, you are special people. This is a brilliant place. In fact, when it talks about the, the church, this is what it says. The church is precious jewels. Every one of you has a certain color about you. Every one of you, maybe is a garnet or a ruby or opal or something, you're precious jewels and you're connected together and you have your significance, who you are. You're not Cliff Burst, you're you. And the light of God is flowing through you and he finds great praise in you because he has done something in you that causes the light of the world to reflect through you. And so when you walk in here, when you gather as a body, you're beautiful, you shine, you express God because you are light and not darkness. Now, in our talk here of the garment of praise, the garment of praise has been given to you, but it's your duty to express it. And what does it mean to express the garment of praise. How can you really praise God? You know, I often, this is the way I pray, forgive me, Lord, for who I am, what I am. I don't know what I am. I don't know what's inside me. I know you know exactly what's inside me. You know when I stray from you and loving you, you know it. You know when my fears and my anxiety overwhelm the faith I have in you. You know that. And God says, hey, I'm not letting you be alone. Because I know these human natures, these human things will battle you. We're not battling against flesh and blood. That's not somebody else. That's your flesh. Your flesh. So what did he do? He said, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. 
I'm going to let the Holy Spirit reside in you. And the Holy Spirit will say, daughter, daughter, I love you. You despair and you think, you cry and you're driving down the road and you're crying and you don't know why you're crying but the pressures of the world are on you and maybe something has happened to you. Maybe you had a divorce. Maybe you have a disease that you can't overcome. Maybe there's something and it seems like you're doing okay and you're just driving all of a sudden you cry. You cry. You cry. Because you're a fragile human being. You're one that's fighting this finite life. Some of you will live to 60 maybe, 70, 80, but some might not. You're fighting this life. And it's a difficult life. It's not an easy life. It needs to have something special inside of you. And it is the garment of praise, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, daughter, son, you are not lost. I know who you are. I know some of these things that you're facing are causing you really a lot of trouble. But I'm asking you to understand that the final solution is not your despair. The final solution is not even your death in a large or a larger place than this, our group of people, but maybe in this, there's somebody said, I think the best way out is death. I can't take it anymore. I think the best way out is death. But the Lord says, the final solution is me. The final solution is life, which comes through Jesus Christ. And this holding in you is the life of the living God. And the final solution for you is life. And so when you despair, when you really think there's no hope, there's no way, I want you to open up your ears as much as you can. This takes faith. You've got to believe God is, is and God is a good God. God, what are you saying to me? I'm saying, daughter, I love you. I'm saying, daughter, you're mine. I'm saying, daughter, there might be no solution here, but you're a new creature. You're my holy one. You I covet for. You I want. You I want a relationship with. And that is, makes the difference between you and every other religion is because you believe there is a living spirit in you. There is your spirit, but encapsulating in that is your spirit, but Christ is inside you. And that spirit is alive. And that spirit will never die. And that spirit, when you die, when this flesh, I'm almost 77 years old. My wife says, say 76. But... <laughs> I'm almost 77 years old. And when this flesh gives away, guess what? There's a resurrection going to happen. Well, how is that resurrection going to happen? Because there's power. I will baptize you in power. In power. In power. I will baptize you with the power to live forever. I will make you holy. I will make you righteous. I will give you my spirit. And you do not have to go down into the grave and say this is it. No, you will be resurrected by my power, my Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, resurrected Jesus, if you read closely. Because Jesus gave it all. We kind of think, well, he's God, and therefore he, yeah, I'll die for a bit, and then I'll go. Jesus gave it all. Father, if you forsake me forever, I will do this. But Father God said, I will not let my Holy One face corruption and the Holy Spirit sin to raise him from the dead. And because he is raised, you are too. If he wasn't raised, we are both most miserable people because we believe a lie and our lives are focused around that. But he was raised so that we might live eternally. Now the, car, the, the uh, 
garment of praise can be seen in many ways. And of course, this isn't following very closely. Last sermon, is it? <laughs> uh, this is part two and three. <laughs> the garment of praise. Praise God. It is so important that you understand you're real. Don't go out of here and act like a human being as the main thing in your life. Go out there knowing and understanding that you are an entity that will sing and praise God forever and that he wants. If you lose that perspective, you lose happiness, you lose joy, you lose everything that God wants to give you. But he has given you the spirit and that you are an entity so important. And it's so important that you cry out with praise and live your life as a, as a praise. Your, little, your life itself has to be lived as a praise to God. Who are you? Well, I'm a Christian. Now, there's that verse, sacrifice with your lips, the praise. And my wife knows all of this. I know nothing as far as I can't, I can't uh, uh, what do you call it? Recall a scripture precisely. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that sacrifice of praise, it goes on and tells you this. Within that context, Jesus went outside of the eternal city. Not because he wanted to, but he was taken outside of the eternal city. The eternal city was a place of safety for the Jews. That was going to be forever. But he was taken outside. And there he was stripped, killed, persecuted in every way, humiliated in every way. He was flogged. His flesh fell from his bones. And he went and was crucified there by the Romans. He tells you, sacrifice of praise. You might face this disgrace too. He faced disgrace. He says, I want you to go outside the eternal city where the temple is. I want you to go out there and I want that you to tell them, I belong to Jesus. And you will face what he faced, the same thing. They will say, oh no, this is a pitiful person. You will face all of the things emotionally too that Jesus said. The sacrifice of praise is nice here, but it's really no sacrifice. The sacrifice of praise is when you go out there and identify yourself with Jesus Christ. He is my hope. He is my life. He is. That's the sacrifice of praise. That's what God wants for your life. That's what he wants you to, to be. And that is a humbling experience sometimes. That's a humbling experience. Because the people think of you as being crazy. But that's where you are. So you are possessing the garment of praise out there. You are possessing the victory of God out there. You are possessing at all times the entity of God. And because of that, God is asking you to praise him, to live for him, and to be his. Now that song that Dan was singing in that little video is on this. This is his last video. CD, I should say. And that's the one I want them to sing at my funeral. I want that one sung at my funeral. My life has been committed to Christ exclusively. That's all I want. That's why I have, I believe, three sons who are ministers. They knew, not that I talked to them about it, they knew by my life that that's all I really wanted. That's all I really needed. I needed Jesus and I needed the best I can in such a frail sinful human being. 
I needed his light in me. I needed his breath in me. And that's what we are. We are his. There's another song I want sung at my funeral, and it's my eldest son's song. And it says, the rocks will cry out. He has a beautiful song on that. If we don't sing, if we don't illustrate God, if we don't praise God, he says, I'll have the inert, lifeless rocks cry out who I am. I am the living God. And unless you will say this, unless the voice becomes quiet, and no one here will say it, I will have the rocks. The stars sing, it says. The stars sing in Job. And he's made you new creatures for a purpose to be intimately related to him. A special place. If we could really believe that, we wouldn't walk out here on the ground. We'd walk out several feet above the ground. But it's hard for us because we are caught in the flesh. Now the Old Testament talks about praise. And there's praise all over. Every praise, hundreds of times it's mentioned. In Psalms it's mentioned, I don't know, I have it here, but it's mentioned many, many, many times. Praise. Okay. Now you go to the New Testament. You guys are New Testament people. 25 times. But even some of those aren't praise to God. Wow. Those people in the Old Testament are a lot spiritual, more spiritual than we are. No, that's not true. What is true is that the spirit of praise has come into your life. You are not serving God from the external, me here, sacrifice there, me here, go to the temple there, praise God because I should praise God, me here, doing this or that. Living God according to laws or ordinances. That's the way. But that's not you. That's not you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit, who is a garment of praise in you. And it reflects the Father God. And so I'm sure when you're not, not thinking in the sense of you've got an anxiety or something, there should be a thought towards God. A thought towards God. I sing a lot. I was saved when I was 15. I was saved, and after I was saved, I sang all the time. And I've been singing now for a lot of years. I've been singing now, what, for 60 years at least. Singing, my poor wife has to endure that singing. And the reason she has to endure it is because I, I don't have a memory. So I can't sing dance songs. I can't sing anybody else's songs. I got to sing whatever is in my heart. And I will do this, and I have done this, and I'm sure I'll say, Cliff, which is my name, listen. Listen what you're singing. Listen. And I know the Spirit of God is singing in me. The Spirit of God is singing in me. He's repeating something in my spirit, my mind, through my lips, that he wants me to hear. Praise the living God. See, this is our lives. Our lives are spiritual, not just natural. And we need to know that. We need to understand that our lives are more than just everyday things. Now, I, was, I worked on a, the farm. It's a big ranch. It was 2,000 acres. And uh, my mother wanted rest and peace, so every summer, you're gone. No, I don't want to go. I want to play baseball. No, you're gone. So I would go out for three months and work on this farm. A lot of haying done, agricultural stuff of alfalfa, cutting alfalfa, raking alfalfa, baling alfalfa, moving alfalfa. And so that's what I did. 
And I did it from very little, like six, seven years old. And they paid me a little bit then, a little bit more, and a little bit more, and then I would buy my clothes with what I received from the farm. But one day, um, I was recalling as I was thinking about this, that I had stopped the tractor, and I don't know what I was doing, probably raking, I did a lot of raking. And I was looking over this field in the alfalfa field. And, and it was a large alfalfa field, and it had been mowed. It had been mowed. And I heard a bird call. I heard it, and so distinct, so sharp. And it was, again, it would call. And I looked out there, and scanning, and trying to figure out where that bird is, because I knew it was out there. And it was a metal lark, a metal lark. And there he was. I finally saw him because there was a little movement, a little movement. And when he was doing, he would bob his head like that, put his beak up to the heavens, and cry out with his beautiful voice, his beautiful song. Amongst all the grass, called alfalfa. Amongst all the grass that won't be distinguishable to us. It's just one grass, one piece of grass and another. But here was the little life, that little thing crying out. See, that's who you are. He's saying, I'm alive. Here I am. I'm out here. Here I am. Hear my song. It's for the glory of God. Hear my song. I'm alive. See, that's you. That's you. Hear my song. I'm alive. Hear my song. I'm alive. The garment of praise is in that little bird. The garment of praise is in you. How are you going to allow that garment of praise to have dominion over you? How are you going to do that? What should you do? Well, let's look to let's look to Colossians three one, and we'll see if we can get it up here. Because otherwise, okay, good. Okay, I just said you're an entity, a living entity to praise God. You're not just walking through this world, just doing your thing, being married, uh, finding, having kids, walking along. No, that's, that is a very inferior position as far as where you really are. You are a spiritual person, wonderfully made, glorious gloriously made and so here you are okay now you're dealing with flesh hey Cliff I'm flesh I'm sitting here and you're saying wow these things are way up here someplace and you are well it's good to keep that in mind and the Holy Spirit will help you keep that in your mind but this is what since you've been raised with Christ I just told you you were raised with Christ by the way you're sitting in the heavenly places with Christ Set your hearts when you walk out of here, and the sun is nice, on things above, where Christ is, he's seated at the right hand of God. Now, where are you seated then? Where are you seated? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, I'm in you, and you are in me. That's what God says, Christ says. I'm in you, and you in me. How close will you be to God then? How close are you going to be to God? See, you can, you can forget what the Bible says. What Dan said in the last few um, uh, sermons... I was looking at it and it blew, it blew my mind. I said, wow, the truth of the word coming so strongly to people. Where are you seated? You need to know the Bible. 
You are seated with Christ in Christ. How close to God. He's known as the Trinity. Part of the Trinity. With him. There's your home. It said with, it said with the, uh, the Levitical tribe, the Levites. Here they go into this promised land. Wow! This is a promised land. I hope we get something. I hope we want these hundred square miles. And I want those thousand square miles. Well, Reuben, you get that. And, and Judah, you get that. But you Levites, you don't get anything. Don't get anything? We're the ones that serve and sacrifice. We're the ones that are supposed to protect the, the temple. We're the ones that do the spiritual things. What do you mean we don't get anything? See? He put them in a city and they got a little plot where they could raise their carrots and peas and beans. But that was it. Why? And this is what the Bible says about you. It says because their inheritance is God himself. You're looking for land or you're looking for a better life here that I got more money or, or I have a better wife. My wife's picking on me all the time and, or my husband doesn't love me the way he should. I'm looking for a better life. I want a better life. Give me more. Give me this. Give me that. I want more, 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 more. Now he says, hey, sorry, you're Christian. <laughs> sorry, you don't get it. Now you might have those benefits. That'd be great. But you don't get it. No, your inheritance is God himself. You're going to sit right by God in Christ Jesus. I will know you in a special name as my daughter, my son. You have a name, and I've made it a purposeful name that will describe who you are. See, that is the relationship we have, and that's why the garment of praise should be so strong around you. Because you have an inheritance that is so much stronger and better and bigger than what your flesh will say. Now right now you can say no. One of my brothers said no. He said no, I don't want that. He says I want to get rich. I want to get rich. And he did get rich. He did get rich. And he was when he said, when I went to the taverns, everybody wanted to give me a drink because I'm the guy that's hiring everybody. I'm the guy with the big cigar. I'm the boss. I am important. I'm that piece of grass that's a little higher than all the rest of the grass. I can tell the rest of the grass where to go, when to go, why to go. And he told me that, and now he's almost 70 years old. And he came to the Lord, and I meet with him every week. And he has nothing. He lost it all. He lost it all. His wife has a problem with something. And he's an addiction, and he lost everything, all of it, and he's deeply in debt because that is still on top of him, and he has nothing. He has a little house now. He once had a great big house. He was very proud of that house because the salmon would come in afterwards through the stream by his house, and they would spawn there. Now he has a little teeny house. He's got rental. It's a rental. And he's glad he has that. He has an old, old car. It's a Mercedes, but it's probably early 70s. I told him to hang on to it and it might be worth something. <laughs> but he has nothing. He has nothing. And he looked at me, and I'm talking to him. 
not really understanding where he was spiritually. But he looked at me and he said, you know, I don't have anything. My wife are like this. She has her life. I have my life. We never see each other or come together. I don't have anything. But he says, I have Jesus. I have Jesus. I have Jesus. I thought about him and I worried about him because he has been hit hard in life and I thought he might commit suicide. There's no answers. There's no answers. But he says, I have the final solution. I have Jesus. Final solution is not death. It's Jesus. He is the light of the world, the life that we have. I meet with some other people. I meet with a couple other guys every, every week. One guy, uh, you would say, was really successful. He was an NBA ball player. But he's very upset. He only played three years. He was an All-American. And I meet with him, and I'm always very, very fearful that he'll kill himself. He says he won't, but it's still, he has a difficult time with that. He has a deep depression, not just because of that. There's clinical reasons, too, I believe. Not just that, but that is just... But one day, not too long ago, and here I've been with him for a couple years, and he first didn't say anything about this. He never did say it, who he was. And I kind of figured it out. And I looked on the, on the computer, and I put his name in, and boing, it came up from his state, from his place. But he never figured that out. He never told me that. He doesn't. And I realize now why. But anyhow, I wanted to encourage him. I wanted to encourage him. So, only about a month ago, here I've been with him for a couple years, and I said to him, I just looked up again in the computer, and you know, you were the, one of the four guards for the decade, blank the blank decade, whatever, what, 10 years. You were one of the four guards they selected for that conference, which is a big conference in the Southeast. You were one of the four guards that they said are the all-decade all people. He looked at me really mean and harsh. I mean, really mean and harsh. He, we love each other. We treat, he says, don't you tell me that. Don't you ever tell me that. He says, that leads me into deep depression. And I don't know if I'll ever get out of it. Otherwise, I might kill myself. Don't you tell me that. I thought, of course, it's good. I broke down tears because I love him. He's my brother. And I said, oh, forgive me. I would never hurt you. I would never hurt you. But what does he have? The garment of praise. Why? He has a lot of struggle in life. Very big. He comes in all depressed almost every time. And carrying the heavy load of depression. And he's been the psychologist, psychiatrist, all the things. And he carries that. And when he leaves after we meet for a couple hours, he's walking out. Because we're talking about Jesus. He's your garment of praise. He's the one who rescues you. He is the beautiful one. You have him in you. He is the life that you have. And he comes out with a different continence and a different stride and his shoulders are back. I meet with another man who is so bitter and so angry that he almost destroyed his mother and dad. And they died now they're dead and he is so sorrowful for how he treated them but this man has had a oh what would you call it honey he's had a physical disability his whole life and I don't know what it is and I've never been brave enough to ask him 
And anyhow, he, uh, he walks without a uniform stride, and he just, you know, kind of walks like that. He can't keep saliva in his mouth, so it goes down his chin. And he talks strangely, and you'd have to listen to him and wait for him to finish the sentence. So here's a man who's really bitter and angry. Why wasn't you that got this? How come it wasn't you? Why is it me? Why do I have to live this life? And he was bitter and angry and he said, A rebel, I was a rebel. No one could please me. He came to Christ just a little while ago. About three quarters of a month, three-fourths of a, of a month here, of a year, excuse me, came to Christ. His life, his continence, his attitude, completely different. He's changed because he knows he's a new creature. He's not trapped in that body. He's not considered by everybody else someone that you stay away from, that you avoid. He knows now that he is a new creature. He is beautiful. He is glorious. And that is what God has given you, the garment of praise. I'm going to finish with this. The, this is what I think. This is what I believe. I have to depend on the Holy Spirit entirely. Even what I say here, I don't, I write notes, but I never, never, ever follow them. I've written over a hundred million, no, one million, excuse me, one million words, probably one million, two hundred thousand words on my blog, Breakfast with Dad, Breakfast with Dad. I was counting them up the other day because I didn't realize how many words. I've written these words. I've gone over the New Testament, except Revelation. I don't understand it. At least twice, every one of them. Some of them, some of them, three times. And I don't skip any verses. Oh, would I like to skip some verses? I don't understand it, God. I don't know what I get. Write. Write. Well, yeah, what, what do I write? Write. I'll give you the words. Write. And so I do. Every Monday morning I write. I started out with Dan something very simple. It was breakfast with Dad because Dan was struggling at the University of Wyoming and I couldn't be there. I said I would go there, but I, I said I can give you something. And I served a physical breakfast when he was in high school. So I'll give you a breakfast. So I wrote, these were small, but I wrote a small breakfast to him every day to encourage him that God is alive, that he's alive in you, and that he deserves to be served and be faithful to him. And so that's what I wrote. Well, from that went the other, my sibling said, what are you doing preferring him before me? What's wrong? You know? So then I had to write to them, and then friends, and so forth. And now it's on a blog, and we get people in Russia, Turkey, Africa, every place that read it. But the Lord God is so good, and he's conforming you. Everybody in here. It is so hard. i can, I got to tell you, I'm sorry. I'll get out. It is so hard to walk out of here and be spiritual. It's easy here. You've got a lot of people. But you walk out there, get in your car, drive down the street, and it can disappear before you get a mile away. It can disappear before you get a mile away. The important part, though, is to know, Lord, heal that which is in me. Let me see you. Let my ears be open. Let my mouth speak your words. Even if I don't know what I should say, 
like this morning with Cliff Burr's. <laughs> Let my mouth speak your words. Here's what God is doing. It. You are being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Remember, in the Bible it talks about the immature going to mature, learning Christ. As Jesus is the garment of praise to the Father God, he is the garment of praise. The Father God finds him always good and always worthy. And he is telling the Father God and the Holy Spirit, you're always worthy. You're always worthy to be praised. You're always worthy to have my focus on you. As Jesus is the garment of praise to the Father God, you are also hidden in Jesus. Therefore, you are a garment of praise to the Father. Now, do the will of the Father. Be that praise that honors God. Be that entity that honors God. Be that praise by working out your salvation. Who are you? I'm a child of God. Love the Lord. Love the people. You, they will know you by how you love each other. And they will not know you if you are in conflict with your brothers and sisters. Love the Lord. Love people. And most of all, through all of that, love God. Let's pray. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you